0: God has done incredible incredible things through Calvary and the people who minister here and in our community this year we're excited that you are here with us today both in the room and online in your living rooms or wherever you might be um, We're ending our series today we've been talking for the last couple of weeks about this idea of disorientation and how we've we've been disoriented this year has been crazy, but how we've kind of had this new reorientation take place, and and we're learning how God's walking with us through this reorientation, and now we're getting ready to step out into a new orientation. Something brand new that God is doing in the world that we get to join him in. And it Didn't at first feel appropriate that this would land on Mother's Day, and yet the way it all came together has just worked beautifully. It fits so neatly. Everything except for the part of me being the one to speak today. (laughs) Mother's Day, not my favorite holiday, despite my three lovely children who I adore um, and adore me. I, I have a complicated relationship with Mother's Day my mom passed away about 10 years ago, and, and that has complicated things. And if I'm honest, I had a complicated relationship with my mom to begin with. And so it's always been a little complicated. Don't get me wrong, she loved me, I loved her, I had a great childhood. But families are complicated. And we all know that what we see on the surface isn't always what is everything. It isn't all that there is, families are complicated. But here's what I know, I, I know this from seeing it as a mom, as a sister, as a friend, as a spouse, as a pastor, many of us have a complicated relationship with Mother's Day, with our own kids, with our moms, with our desire for kids that has yet to be filled. For many years, I have simply chosen to ignore this day. I have asked my family to completely ignore it. Do not make me a macaroni necklace. Do not color a card. Just ignore it. I don't want to celebrate today. I don't go to church. I I have not gone to the grocery store. I don't want to see all the pomp and circumstance and flowers and cards for a mom that I can't send it to. I have a complicated relationship with Mother's Day. And I think... For me and many others, there's tremendous pain in this day and yet there is also beauty and there is joy. I can look at the great and beautiful and wonderful things that my mother did for me despite my complicated relationship with her. I can look to the good. And so despite the complicated relationship many of us may have, I want you to know this morning that we see you that we honor you. We honor those of you who are looking at this day with joy and fulfillment and excitement. Being a mom is good. But we also honor you who look at this day full of loss and lament and hardship. God is with you in that. And as you walk that path with him, he is honoring you as well. One of the things that I have learned over my years of being a mother is that there is way more to mothering than simply having a child of your own. There's way more to mothering than simply having a physical child in your home. That work in and of itself is good, and it is hard, and it is holy, and it is sacred. There are moms, you have been in the trenches, trenches that no one else can even fathom. Mom, some of you have spent hours upon hours upon hours on your knees that no one will ever know. No one will ever see those hours that you have spent praying. Some of us have cried tears, broken over our own children's brokenness, tears that could fill oceans. Mothering is indeed hard and holy work and we honor our mothers in that. But what I wanna propose to us today is that all of us, every single one of us is called to mother. Men and women alike made in the image of a holy God that is both father and mother. We are called to live out that image that has been imprinted on us from the very beginning. We know Scripture gives us a multitude of ways to depict God as father, but it also gives us ways that He is depicted as mother. Deuteronomy 32 says this The Lord set him atop the heights of the land and fed him with produce of the field. He nursed him with honey, and yet they were unmindful of the one that bore them. They forgot the God who gave them birth. Hosea 11 says when Israel was a child, I loved him. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms. I led them with kindness and bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. In Job, God asks Job, from whose womb comes the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from heavens? And we know that it is God. In Matthew, Jesus says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often have I desired to gather your children together as a mother hen gathers her brood under her wings. In Hosea, God says, I will fall upon them like a mother bear robbed of her cubs. I've been a mother bear once in a while. When someone's messed with my cubs, God is like a mother bear. From Deuteronomy, as a mother eagle stirs up her nest, fluttering over her young and takes them and bears them on her wings, so the Lord has led Israel. In Isaiah, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. And finally, all the way back to the very beginning, in Genesis, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Men and women are both reflections of the character and the heart of God. And so what does it look like for us to, us who are in the body of Christ, to mother as God has mothered us? If you'll indulge me for just a second, I want to start right here with this itty-bitty children's book. Many of you may recognize it. It's called, Are You My mother. It was one of my kids favorites, mostly because of the way their dad would read it to them with all of his silly voices. I am not the dramatist that my husband is, so you'll have to imagine the voices and the giggles, Um, but I do want you to just listen for a second. A mother bird sat on her egg and the egg jumped. I must get something for my baby bird to eat, she said, so she went away. And inside the nest, the egg jumped and it jumped and it jumped until out came a baby bird. Where is my mother? He said, he did not see her anywhere. I will go and look for her. And so out of the nest, he went down, 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 plop. The baby bird could not fly, but he could walk. Now I will go and find my mother, he said. Are you my mother? The baby bird asked a kitten. The kitten just looked and looked did not say anything. Are you my mother, the baby bird asked a hen. No, said the hen. Are you my mother, the baby bird asked a dog. I am not your mother, I am a dog, said the dog. Are you my mother, the baby bird asked a cow. How could I be your mother, said the cow. I am a cow. The baby bird stopped to think. The kitten and the hen were not his mother, the dog and the cow not his mother. I have a mother, said the baby bird. I know, I do, I will find her. And just then the baby bird saw a big thing and I'll show it to you. It's a big bulldozer, big huge crane of a bulldozer. And it said, you are my mother, the baby bird said. And the big thing said, snort. Oh no, said the baby bird, you are not my mother. You are a scary snort. And so the snort lifted the baby bird up, up, up. But then something happened. The snort put the baby bird right back in the tree. The baby bird was home. And just then the mother bird came back. You are not a kitten or a hen or a dog. You are not a cow or a snort, said the baby bird. You are a bird and you are my mother. And it's a silly little story, but this little bird, he finds himself out of the nest and in the world with no idea what his mother looks like. He goes to all of these other animals and things around him trying to figure out who his mother is, and by extension, who he is, who he's supposed to be. And that's our job as mothers and fathers. We, we want to help our children discover who they are. We want to help guide them toward who they are to become. As Christian parents, this is even more important to us as we look at this from a Christ-like perspective. Our children need to know what God looks like, who he is, what he's like, the ways in which they were made in his image. Sooner than we think, they are going to be out in the world, out of the nest, and they're going to be searching for things that will bring them fulfillment and joy and purpose and direction. And like the little bird in our story, they're going to be walking around asking, are you, are you, are you the thing that's going to bring me joy and fulfillment and direction? As pastors, when we when we have young children or infants that are being brought by their parents to be baptized, we ask parents to affirm something in in the liturgy. And it, it says this, in presenting this child for baptism, you are hereby witnessing to your own personal Christian faith and to your desire to guide this child early in life to a knowledge of Christ as savior. To this end, it is your duty to teach them as soon as they are able, to watch over their education, that they may not be led astray, to direct their feet to the sanctuary, and as much as in you is able to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. As followers of Jesus, we do not simply raise our children to be productive members of society. Our goal is not for them to be good citizens or good people, it is to be a follower of Jesus themselves. In the Old Testament, we saw this command to Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, right? But Jesus gives us a new command in the New Testament, and it is also about multiplication. It's in Matthew 28, and it says this, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have taught you. Go, make disciples, teach them to observe, be fruitful, and multiply, make new image bearers, nurture believers to the conformity of Jesus Christ, to his image in the world. Parents, you are the primary disciplers of your children. A parent is the primary discipler of their children. You are the primary way in which they are going to come to know Jesus, in which the way they're going to know who he is and what he does and how he loves them. You are the primary and first way that your children will see Jesus walked out in the life of another. It's you. And God has made you uniquely qualified to do that. He has equipped you in all of the ways that you need. He has gifted you in all of the ways that you will need when you seek him and surrender to him and follow him. He will enable you to do this task. Yet none of that guarantees that your child will choose to follow Jesus. Each of you had to make your own decision to do that, and your child will as well. One of my favorite writers is Anne Voskamp, and she beautifully reminds us of this when she says, parenting is never about how your kids turn out. It is always and only about how you keep turning your kids toward their maker, Motherhood is never about training your children to be good so they won't ever fall. It's about letting them see you fall in love every day with a good God. And even after you have fallen, that you keep falling hard for God. That is our role as parents. And we are the first ones who are going to show our kids that, but we are not the last. Because parents, your faith community plays a role in the life of your child and in your own life too. Calvary, that's you. You play a role in the faith formation and discipleship of this community. You have a calling to go into all the world and to make disciples, to multiply you have a role to play and a commitment to make. When those parents come up here and they bring their young child or their baby for dedication or baptism, we ask you, their community, to also make an affirmation. It says this, we ask you to affirm that you will commit yourself as the body of Christ, having been adopted into God's family to now support and encourage these parents to lovingly and fully accept this child as a gift of God and assist the child by nurturing their growth towards spiritual maturity. A couple of weeks ago, I was profoundly blessed that we were able to go back out to Boston and I was able to see my two brand new nieces, Charlie and Millie. They just turned four months and they're laughing and giggling and playing and holding their heads up and and interacting with you and they are just wonderful but most of the time i just got to kind of sit on the periphery and i got to watch as charlie and millie's mom learned on the job all of the ways that god had gifted her to be their mother i got to watch as she She helped them learn how to trust, how to nurse what it is to be loved, how she taught them joy and delight. I watched as she sacrificed her time, her sleep, her body. She made herself available. She allowed herself to be inconvenienced for the sake of her girls. It was beautiful and hard and sacred. And each of us has the responsibility not only to grow in our own maturity in God, not only to grow as an individual believer, but to be a spiritual mother to all of those who follow behind us. All of us have the responsibility to nurture young believers to feed on the Word of God. We have a responsibility to model the fruit of the Spirit we have a responsibility to help young believers understand the grace and the love of God as we walk it out in our own lives, to sacrificially make ourselves available like my sister did for her girls, to allow our schedule and our personal needs to be inconvenienced for the sake of caring for the spiritually young and vulnerable. All of us have this responsibility. You know, when, when Tyler and I were first married, Um, three months in was not our plan, but we found out we were going to have our first child. And we thought, we're still in college, I'm student teaching, what in the world? We are like dirt poor, cannot, cannot do this. God, what were you thinking? And then we started trying to like, look for the silver lining, right? And we thought, started counting the years, and thought, you know, we're gonna be pretty young when we're empty nesters this is not a bad thing. Like we're gonna be like young 40s and maybe we might actually have money to do something when we don't have children in our house anymore. Like this was starting to sound like a pretty good idea, this empty nest thing. And yet what I want us to hear today is that none of us get to be empty nesters when it comes to the family of God. None of us get to abdicate our responsibility toward young believers in the faith. Because here's the thing, not only did I get to watch my sister in her role as mom, I got to watch my mother-in-law in in her role as grandma. Now she's been grandma to my kids for a number of years and, and I've gotten to see that and watch that, but it was a whole different thing to watch that from the outside. It was a whole different thing to see as she came alongside Charlie and Millie's exhausted mom, how she encouraged her and loved her, guided her, and instilled faith in her that that she had the gifts to do this. She possessed everything she needed, and like her role as grandma, our roles in the body of Christ are generational. Now, I say this um, fully, fully knowing that this is like one of those mom of the year things, four five, almost five months ago now, my daughter got this butterfly kit. One of her uncles decided that would be a great thing to add to my plate was growing butterflies. And so they gave her this butterfly kit, and I thought, well, it's winter, I don't have to deal with this, like, I don't know anything about butterflies. And so we just kind of put this thing away and, and I remembered it this week, five months after her birthday um, and thought we should probably get on that. And I was reminded of it from another post I saw and so I started researching butterflies and monarch butterflies in particular. And here's what I learned. Every year monarch butterflies migrate from Northern Canada to Southern Mexico. They wanna escape the cold winter. Sounds like a great idea. In the spring, they head back north. However, what makes this migration unique isn't just the migration itself. Lots of animals migrate, but it's how many generations of monarch butterflies it takes. Because did you know the lifespan of a monarch butterfly is less than three weeks? It's less than three weeks. That's not a whole winter. That's probably not even as long as it takes them to get from one place to the other. It takes multiple generations to finally make it back to the north for a monarch butterfly. And despite the distance of this journey, every single year the monarch returns south to the same place where their great-great-great-great-grandfather butterflies would have been. Multiple generations it takes. Poet Morgan Harper Nichols reflects on this idea when she says the monarch butterfly migration is a reminder of what it means to pave the way, to carry on on a journey, a journey that you might not actually live to see the end of. We have a responsibility to pave the way, even if we never see the end of the journey, even if it is hard and it doesn't look like it's doing any good, even if our kids are like a top, who no matter how many times we turn their feet back toward the sanctuary, they turn back around again, We have a responsibility to pave the way, faithfully pointing people to Jesus, committing ourselves to a journey of faith that we are only going to see in part. The church needs spiritual mothers and fathers to care for the family of God. We need you. And it is incumbent upon you and upon me to rise up to this task because While it is important for you to nurture your individual faith, your faith is not your own. Your faith belongs to the generations who came before you that nurtured it in you. It belongs to those who are going to come after you, who are nurtured by you, who are following in the steps and the path that you have laid out for how to follow Jesus. You know, if you were to get the the bigger version of my little board book today, and you were to read it, it, it's like 50 pages. The, The bird goes to everyone and everything it can think of. But you will see in the illustrations there that while this little bird is walking and walking and searching and searching, he walks right past his mama. He doesn't recognize her. He doesn't see her for who she is. He doesn't know what he needs. And I think often while we are spiritually immature, Those of us who are young in the faith, we don't always recognize our need for these spiritual mothers and fathers. We don't recognize that those people can help guide us on our path, that they have paved the way for us. And so I would challenge those of us who are young in our faith to find someone who isn't, to pray for God, to put someone in your path who is more mature than you are, who can walk you along this path. But you know what else I think? I think that those of us who are mature in the faith often don't recognize that we need to be these spiritual mentors, these spiritual mothers and fathers. We don't recognize it. We don't think that others need us. We don't think we're equipped to do this. We don't know enough, I'm not far enough in my journey yet. And yet we are needed. We need your story, we need your hard-earned wisdom, we need your testimony, we need you to show us what it looks like to walk this out in our lives. And so I would challenge each of you today, mature believers in the faith, to pray that God would open your eyes to who might be in your path that needs you as a spiritual mother or father. Pray for the one whom you can help to open up God's word. Pray for the one that you can impact. Every believer in the body of Christ has the potential to impact generations of believers. And my prayer for us is that as we look to the future of Calvary, as we begin the next step in Calvary's journey with Pastor Nick's arrival next week and moving out of this time of transition And disorientation and reorientation that we would dream new dreams that we would walk new paths but my prayer for us is not simply that it would be that we don't do it alone it would be that we would recognize the gift we have been given in the family of God it would be that you recognize the gift you are to the family of God that we would recognize that we are a family of disciples who makes disciples that we multiply that we are all spiritual mothers and fathers you know as we close today I want you to remember the snort it is my kids favorite part of the book because Tyler really hams it up and And let me tell you, you can do a lot of hamming up to to that big digger there. But that snort is as different from that little bird as it could possibly be. It is nothing like the bird. It is not even an animal. It is not even alive. It is simply a machine. You may not feel up to the task of being a spiritual mother and father, but you have been equipped Parents, you may feel as different from your kids wondering how you ever ended up with a child who was as different as you are. They don't think like you. They don't act like you. And you wonder how it is you are ever supposed to raise them. God has equipped you, no matter how different you may be. The snort is the one who took the baby bird home none of the other animals no matter how alike they may have been did that it was this snort who was as different as could be who led him home moms we are going to feel like we mess up dads you too we all mess up we yell too much or too often we let our kids down maybe we forget to pick them up it happens Maybe we feel like we've messed up one too many times, but I want you to hear this. God has called you. He has chosen you to be that child's parent. And so it is a task that he will equip you for. It is a task that he has gifted you for. And church, the same is true for us. No matter how different we are from the college kid or the teen or the child, no matter how little of their lingo or their TikToks or their social media that we understand, we can still influence their lives. We can still point their feet to the sanctuary and lead them home. We are made capable in Christ. The church needs you. It needs spiritual mothers and fathers in order to thrive. Calvary, we need you in order to live life together in order to open scripture together serve our community together keep accountable to one another together it is hard and holy work being the family of god but we were created in the image of god who has shown us the way he has shown us how to do this he has equipped us to do this if we are only willing to surrender our lives and our schedules and our preconceived notions and follow him God we thank you we thank you for the generations who have paved the way for us the generations all through Scripture who followed you and stayed true to you those who followed Jesus and spread the message of the gospel far and wide Lord, I thank you for those who were spiritual parents to me, who when my mom and dad didn't know, you still pointed my feet to the sanctuary, who lived a life of Christ-like love in front of me, who led me to you. Who led me to you so that i would have the opportunity to lead my own mom and dad to lead my own kids thank you for the spiritual mothers and fathers in our lives thank you for those that you are going to put in our path for the generations who are coming behind us god may we love well May we surrender ourselves to you to be used for your glory, for the love of those who come behind and need to know your love. May it overflow from us.